Yeah. Fucking buries him. Statement. You just love to see it. It was awesome. Statement. He got some fucking real air, didn't he? It was so good. I think it was probably a whole season of frustrations taken out in one, <laughs> yeah. one play. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty, g'day, g'day, welcome back. Another episode of Blokes and Their Balls. Bloody hell, it's been a minute. Little Chrissy New Year break, but we're stoked to be back into it. And what a way to kick it off again with, I guess, playoff season underway in the NFL. The NBA, there's plenty happening, plenty happening in combat sports this weekend. We're here to talk about it all. But first, I want to introduce my my now right-hand man of Blokes and Their Balls. You know him as the resident sports guy, I have a lot to talk about. Um, the man with a mission, the man who runs the run sheet. It's Mr. Jed Wells, a.k.a. Wellsy, a.k.a. The Undertaker. Hello, hello. What a great time of year it is. We're back after an extended break, a little bit of technical difficulties as well, but we, we found our way back to the pod. Uh, Duffy is not with us. He's actually over in Chicago trying out for the Bears' new head coaching job, but we're yeah. here. We're sure if he doesn't get it, he'll be back soon. So Yeah, so don't expect him here this week or next week, um, but... If the Bears don't make their mind up, he'll either be back in the studio or, I guess, applying for some other sports-related job. Yeah, I'd say so. He's, yeah. he's got his Indeed so up. He's our man on the road. Sports. He's our ma- You know, we want an inside man, so he's our man on the road at the moment. But I guess to serious business, massive week in sport. We're going to kick it off with our plays of the week. Like we do, yeah. Just quick little short, sharp, get it going. I'll yeah. start us off this week. Been a bit of drama around this guy, but it was good to see him have his moment. Russ Westbrook, straight down the lane, dunks it on the reigning defending player of the year, Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Fucking buries him. Statement. He just loved to see it. It was awesome. Statement. He got some fucking real air, didn't he? It was so good. I think it was probably a whole season of frustrations taken out in one, yeah. one play. Yeah, for sure. My play of the week was, of course, true, true to form. It was a Rams play of the week, and it was OBJ, the little fake... And then throwing for some passing yards. And I tell you what, it was a fucking throw and a half. Yep. So he got some length on it. So um, just so good to see him come into his element. And he just looks natural and comfortable in the Rams outfit. So I'm really excited for playoff season. He proves that not only was Baker Mayfield not the best player, he might not even been the best quarterback on that Brown squad. <laughs> for sure. For sure. All right. Let's jump into some basketball as we always do to start. And yeah, talking about the NBA... The Lakers are falling apart at the moment. Like we just talked about then, Russ, there's been some drama yesterday, got benched at the end of the game. Frank Vogel in the press conference says he was playing the players that he thought would win the game. We knew from the start this wasn't going to work. Why is it just coming up now that like, it seems like the Lakers are realizing, oh, actually, this isn't working? Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? And I think it's always you wonder how long it takes a super team to gel. You know, so many big personalities. Can they work together is always the big question. It's the money question. And I think we're really figuring out at this point in the season that maybe they just can't or maybe they just picked a few of those wrong players. And Russ seems to be that odd guy out who doesn't fit the mould there. And unfortunately, you know, he's, he's their point guard. He's, he's that guy that it seems to... It seems to reflect consistently throughout his games that there's a lot of little errors and things that go yeah. wrong. And I seen a clip the other day. It was they had this really defensive, um, like they had this defensive moment as a team where they worked hard in defense to get a rebound. 
the ball gets thrown to Bron, he charges up the field or up the court, and he's just there by himself. Yeah. And he takes a shot and misses, and it's kind of like, well, fuck, he had to take a shot. And it's kind of like, fuck, it feels like at the moment Bron is the team. Yeah, when we've seen LeBron do this before, like with some of those Cavs teams where like halfway through the season they're sitting sort of 7th, 8th, they're like, there's no way he'll do it and he makes the finals or whatever. But like, What do you think is the percentage of super teams that actually work out to be what they were built for? I think it depends what you class a super team as because like, personally I didn't ever view this Lakers group as a super team because Russ is far and away from his peak. Like he's mm. he's probably a good three to four years off it. Yeah. Melo is coming off the bench as a shooter at this point. He's nowhere near where he was. Like, do you know what I mean? The only two guys I'd say that are in their peak on that team are LeBron, AD, who's been out most of this season, mm. and fuck, like, Malik Monk or something. Like, you say hindsight's twenty twenty, but you look at the moves this team could have made. Like, Buddy Hield was on the table. DeRozan wanted to sign there initially. You mm. could have re-signed Caruso, but instead you, you fucking put all the chips on the table to land Russ. You trade away... Fuck, you trade away Kuzma, you trade away Montrez Harrell. You keep THT instead of trading him maybe for like Kyle Lowry or someone. Like, mm. I don't know. I think they just went like big name hunting and didn't really think about chemistry. Yeah, do you think... You, you'd know more about this because you know the ins and outs of the off-season and the trades and the deals, but do you think maybe LeBron is at fault here? Like LeBron oh. wanting his guys? Definitely. And that's always a problem with a LeBron-led team is you yeah. kind of have to account for the fact that at least, like, maybe a third of the roster are going to be LeBron's friends or, like, people yeah. he wants to play with. Because there's something to be said for culture, but sometimes great culture doesn't make great players. And, yeah. and you know, like, it's that mix between having a really good culture and a team, but also having the right players. And I think sometimes it's it's almost like LeBron's created the ultimate lunchtime pickup game. Exactly. Like, with yeah. his mates. Like, he's got all of his best boys together and it's like, we're going to have a fucking great time but we, we might not win every game. Yeah. But that's the thing too with culture is you kind of need everyone to buy in and it's hard when you get guys at that stage of their career. Like Russ is probably, I, don't, I haven't checked this, I think he's probably 33, 34. Mm. And on every team he's been on for the last seven, eight years, he's been the top dog or like even those teams with KD, he was still like the guy that was sort of initiating the offense, dribbling up the court and stuff. In this team, he's probably the third, the fourth option and LeBron's playing point for a lot of it. Like, he's this, like, he's a short role guy, and he's never done that before. Yeah. And I think when you're that old and you've been doing the same thing for so long, it was always ambitious to be like, all right, you're going to come here, new team, new system. You're going to play completely differently than you ever have before, and it's going to work perfectly. Yeah. Like, And it felt like everyone was saying that except them. Like, the move happened. Almost everyone was like, this is bad. It's not going to work. Yeah. So And it just seems like the Lakers, like, six months later, they're like, hey, guys, this isn't going to work anymore. And everyone's like, yeah, obviously. You know, it's, I think everyone's always got that ounce of hope. Like, when you know you, there's something really special in a player, like, the, you know, the triple-double Russ that everyone wants to believe he can be consistently. But, unfortunately, time has proven that that's just not the fact anymore. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, the Lakers are, you know, experiencing some, some mid-season blues. By the look, sounds of things, so... Don't get me wrong as well. We said this about the Chiefs probably four months ago, and look where they are mm. now. Don't be surprised if in a week or two, the Lakers make a bunch of trades, they clear house, yeah. and we see them in the finals. Because we've seen it before with LeBron, that Cavs team that had, like, Dwayne Wade and Derrick Rose, and it was a really similar thing, where they had all these big names that weren't really playing, 
Yeah. And we saw they had just like a fire clearance sale. They got rid of everyone and then somehow made it to a finals that year. So don't ever rule them out, but they're looking a little bit in trouble at the moment. Trouble in LA. Um, bit, bit of some older news. We didn't get to touch on this in the last few weeks, but two of the game's biggest names, Clay and Kyrie, are both back in action. Mm. How good is it to see those guys back on the court again? Really nice to see Clay back. I, I love seeing a little interview um, post game from him this week where he spoke about, you know, not hitting 100% of the shots that he's taking, but I'm never going to stop trying. And I love that. I think that's a mentality that you need when you're coming back from such a long layoff, is you can't be scared to go and put yourself in the game. Like, you need to go back, do you, and eventually those buckets will start to hit again and that accuracy will go up. And it's just so nice to see after such a long layoff. And, they're, you know, they're fan favourites. Yeah. You know, the two people that we watch the game for. So to see him back in action, it's a good feeling. And it's one of those things, Clay says that. He came fucking pretty close. Like, it's not like he came back and scored, yeah. like, eight points. He went yeah. big. Yeah. Like, he's been, for a guy coming off two straight back back tech injuries, he didn't play in 900 days or something. That's crazy. Like, eh? he didn't play since before COVID started. That's how long it's been since he was on the court. I've got to say, I had the biggest freak-out moment the other week because i seen an old clip shared of him being brought off the court, but the caption was very present day. Ooh. And I was like, oh, no, don't tell me he's done it again. But then some, I seen someone else in the comments like, fuck, this freaked me out for a second. And then I realised people were like, man, you've done us dirty with that caption. Because that just did not look good for a second. People do that, eh? They'll yeah. put like, this is off topic, but they'll be like a really old celebrity. And they'll be like, this person turns 80 today, happy birthday. And you're like, fuck, you have to put yeah. happy birthday right at the start if it's an old person. Right at the start, Otherwise yeah. it looks like you're just saying they're fucking dead. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, good to see Clay and Kyrie back. Kyrie is back-ish. They don't know. He still can't play home games technically because mm. of New York law, but the Nets are considering paying a fine for him every time he plays. Okay. If I'm Brooklyn, I almost think that's worth it because, like, for sure, you're not winning shit unless he's playing. For sure. Like, what's the cost of a premier? Well, not a premiership, a championship yeah. in the NBA. Fuck. Like, the amount of money you make back as a club for winning a championship, the amount of money you make for having bums on seats at finals time, like. That's a trade that you're willing to make. Yeah. I don't see it any differently to paying, like, the luxury tax if you're going to sign a bunch of guys. Like, yeah, yeah, it's fucking annoying he won't get vaccinated and stuff. But talking purely basketball, if you want to win, he needs to be out there. Just they, they know bite the, the bullet and do it. Yeah. yeah. And it just makes their team stronger. And I think it almost... It's like any team. Would you take a bolster moving into the finals? Fucking oath you would. Yeah. A so, guy like that, top five, top ten point guard in the league. Yeah. So I think they've got to take that hit for sure. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be surprised if they don't decide to do that at some point. If they take that hit and they get him for every home game and he stays healthy the rest of the season, are they the championship contenders we expect them to be? Yeah. We're seeing it already. Like The Nets are coming. That's the thing. They feel like you watch them play. It's like KD's doing a lot of heavy lifting. Harden's not playing great. Do they have the depth? And then you look and they're like, I think they're second in the East at the moment. Mm. Behind the Bulls who are That's really That's been the struggling. story all year though, hasn't it? Yeah. Like we've had that conversation numerous times. Like it doesn't feel like it's all together yet. But as far as where they sit, you know, yeah. they're looking pretty pretty in the picture. So yeah, then to add a top point guard, like, he wasn't even injured. It's not like he's recovering. Mm. He was sitting at home healthy. So you slot him back in. Yeah. Yeah, that just makes him scarier. Yeah, for sure. And we saw it, I think it was last week, they fucking obliterated the Bulls, beat them by like 30-something points on national TV. Mm, that hurts. He says this as he wears a Bulls t-shirt. <laughs> not, a, not a great week for Chicago. Good segue there. 
Yeah. We've had a lot of guys out all season. It's been a thing, but we saw Zach Levine in the second most recent game left really early on with some knee soreness. Yeah. He's out for a week or two just rehabbing it. Announced this morning that Lonzo has a deep bone bruise that'll need surgery, so he'll be out six to eight weeks from Shams. So that's like a deep bone bruise. How do you surgically? I'm not sure, but yeah. Fuck. So yeah, that'll be that'll come pretty close to like back four playoffs. But the Bulls are sitting top of the East. We got Caruso back yesterday, but I don't know. I'm getting a bit worried. We were kind of sitting real pretty. We were looking good. We were like, oh, do we make a big trade? Go for it as a contender. If we've got all these dudes out, I don't even know if it's worth it. Well, that's the thing. It's You've got to pick your time right. And it's a team that it's only just started to build anyway. So it's kind of like, well, maybe this year isn't the year. The only thing I worry about is this is such an outlier year from DeMar. Like, he's yeah. getting MVP buzz. That's never happened before. Yeah. I'm not surprised if next year we come in and he's not doing that. And yeah. if we get DeMar that he was in San Antonio, that's not a bad player. Yeah. But it's not the MVP level guy that can carry us every game. Yeah. So that why it was kind of felt like our window was wide open for a year and we we're mm. going to go all in. What's the likelihood of having more players back by finals time? Like, touch wood, if everyone's back by whatever their schedule say now, we should have a full team. Yeah. But just knowing Chicago's luck, knowing how our basketball injuries go, like... Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if you see some stupid shit like, oh, there was like a problem. Lonzo fell over in the operating room and broke his foot and now he's out for another six months or some stupid shit like that. Like, Just some Hollywood shit. Yeah, exactly. So, fingers crossed everyone's back because it's such a fun team as well in Chicago at the moment. Yeah. But it just feels like... It's a good energy around it. It just feels like every year or every time something good's happening for the Bulls, injuries will strike them. I don't know who they pissed off. I don't know if they like didn't do like the right blood sacrifice to some god or something, but... <laughs> They're really struggling with just staying healthy. And then just quickly, we've had two very dominant big men in the league in Jokic and Embiid the last two seasons. And in the last two games they've played, they've both proved why. Embiid had 50 points in 27 minutes or something. Mm. And then Jokic had an almost 50-point triple-double in overtime. I think that was an equal um, record for Embiid, wasn't it? Yeah. Just crazy play from the big guys. It's a real wide-open MVP race. They, they were kind of both in it, but not in it. Everyone was like KD or Steph or Giannis. Yeah. But in the last week, those two have been like, no, 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 there's a reason it was us two last year. Yeah. Like, especially both those guys without their running mates from last year still just doing insane numbers. Yeah, which is sick to see. Sick to see. And, you know, it's nice to see him in different divisions too. Yeah. So, That'd you know, be an awesome fun. To be the dominant big guy in the East and the West. When that when's that matchup happening? Fuck knows. I'll have a check. But it's very unlikely it becomes a finals matchup. But if there was the chance, God, that'd be a good mm. seven game series of those two just going Bloody up oath. against each other. Going up against each other, two big men. I know we have a rule on the podcast about talking about yeah. a certain someone, but I think I have to bring it up just quickly. New year, yeah. little update. It's been it's been a while, so I'll grant permission. Report came out that he would not <coughs> Ben Simmons <coughs> would not God. mind sitting at. It's making me cough. It's making it's me cough. I haven't heard his sickness. name in so long. <laughs> so, yeah, there was a report that came out earlier in the week that Simmons is not against sitting out the entire season if he's not traded. There were a few reported trades that they tried and a bunch of Sacramento guys that they said no to, a bunch of Philly guys, I mean, a bunch of Detroit guys, sorry. Mm. But it looks like Maury's not going to trade him unless it's like a superstar. And I don't think there's one of those on the market, so... Don't be surprised if the next time we see him on a court is next season, which is insane to think. Like a guy who's 
arguably getting to the prime of his career, just fully yeah. losing a year for a dick measuring how much, contest. How much value do you lose in a year of not playing? A like, lot. I don't know crazy. the number, but it'd be multi-million dollars. It's crazy. And your skills just can't be up to scratch. No, no like way. you come back from a year off in anything, even if you're training, come back from a year off in anything and you don't have like that game fitness, that game skill that's required under real pressure, yeah. you are not the same player. I don't care who you are. You are not the same player you were or could have been. But especially now, you, you can't even be training with guys at the top level because they're all playing in the league. So who are you doing your runs against? Exactly. It's just like random dudes who don't have a job in LA. Like, yeah. Like you said, he's going to tank his value more than people think. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back and looks like he can't shoot a basketball even less than he could. It's interesting, right? Because it's making me think now. We look at the situation that's evolving in LA. Bron and Simmons obviously have this little bromance that has been created over the last few seasons. Do you think in some way, shape or form, Bron potentially considers him as a trade for Westbrook? I think he'd love to. I don't think Maury goes for that at all. Yeah. Like, Russ is on too much money and he's just not been good enough. Like, that's the thing. We've seen, like, a lot of guys, arguably at the moment better than Westbrook, were, like, reportedly going to get traded and didn't. Mm. So I, I can't see Russ being the dude. And I have to say, as a Philly fan, you know, I haven't arguably... Well, so not arguably, but admittedly... I haven't had the opportunity to watch as much basketball as I would have liked over the last couple of weeks. But Tyrese Maxey, I'm a fucking fan of him. I'm a fan of Tyrese. Like, and I think the more game time he gets, the better he gets as a player. And he's got some real fucking energy, some real fucking get up and go. And I'm a fan of what he brings to the Philly team. So I think Ben Simmons' absence has been really good for Maxey. And... I'm not mad about not having Simmons in the team, but I just think when you've got so much value in terms of um, your player roster sitting on the sideline, I'm like, well, you'd prefer to at least trade for something. Yeah. Just give us something, especially heading into the finals. You just want depth, if anything. And that's like what you said. Maxi has been way better than anyone could have thought. And that's really kind of put the pressure on. Because I think a lot of people thought like with Simmons out... Philly are going to be like sort of 7, 8 seed. They'll be just chilling and yeah. Bede will do whatever, which wasn't great anyway. Like, and Bede's one of the game's best. You don't want to burn a year of his prime yeah. in a dick measuring contest. Yeah, exactly. But I think that was kind of the idea was Philly aren't really going to be good or whatever, but they've been really fun. Maxi stepped up and mm. suddenly you're like, oh shit, we are probably one piece away from being a real contender. Yeah. And that piece is fucking sitting at home. Mm. Do you not just like take a bit of lower value? And just add something. But I feel like Maury's just too proud to do it. Yeah. Like, I think it's one of those things that because it's him versus Rich Paul, he said, we're not trading him unless... He's not. He's, he's too proud to then yeah. concede. He's like, I'm not going to let them win. I'm not doing it unless we can get Dame Lillard, who I don't think they're going to get. I don't think no. Portland are going to do it, so... Yeah. So, yeah, don't be hell. surprised if it's 2023 and we're still talking about the same shit. <laughs> and just like that, the mute ban is back on. Um, yeah, so that's all the NBA. A little bit of NBL quickly... Not a lot happening over the last few weeks. COVID's fucked the league. There's only been like a few games happening. But still a bit of fun. The Hawks won their second against the Kings, which was always a great matchup to see down here. The Derby. The Derby, yeah, fucking awesome. Always a bit of fire in that. Yeah, unreal. Um, Friend of the podcast, actually, Sam Tolhurst, doing a bit of work with the Kings, has put together on KO. Check it out free now. 
a um a king's little documentary series nice which includes some great sort of raw footage of their first match including when that fight happened and sam mm. froling saying to the kings i'll fucking kill you i believe it was yeah stuck to his word came out and scored 27 points in that second match yeah, just nice. absolutely obliterated them nice on your semi killed it um hawks next game against melbourne and delhi finally announced himself into the league scored 33 points He's here. He's back. He is. He hit fuck seven, he's back. seven threes or something. 33 is the most points he's scored, I think, since high school. He didn't score that in college or in the NBA. Wow. So that's his biggest game in, like, decades at this point. Yeah. So good to see. Like, the league's better when the top guys are good. I had a lot of doubts about him. I've talked about it here. I didn't think he was going to work. But yeah. if he works, Melbourne are a lot more fun and the NBL is a lot more fun. So yeah. Good to see him going. The Hawks have got a little double header this weekend, don't they? I've uh, got is it so, Saturday yeah. Sunday or something. Yeah, some stupid like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's Saturday here and then Sunday in Sydney. I think. Okay. Yeah, so, I haven't checked the roster, but that I think they're really trying to cram the games in because a lot of teams lost games like just due to COVID. Yeah, the Hawks didn't play in like a month. Yeah. And speaking of that as well, just the last thing on the NBL is both Perth and New Zealand are going to get affected by stuff. So New Zealand have made the move to Australia for the second year in a row they'll be playing all their games somewhere in Australia yep and Perth with McGowan announcing that the border restrictions are going to stay in place don't be surprised if they have to play over here as well somewhere yeah. so another another year of the league getting a bit fucked over which sucks but everyone's adapting everyone's making do pretty well which I think is I yeah. think is good um, just quickly the hot take a lot of chatter out there that Frank Vogel's on the hot seat as a coach I think that Russ and someone else go before Vogel goes. I think Vogel's got the trust in the organisation. Mm. I think LeBron backs him more than people think. I don't think he's the one to go. I think it's like there's a big roster change. I like it. Good call. Good call. Do we want to go combat sports? or? Yeah, let's on? go a little bit of combat sports. There's not a lot happening in that space at the moment. I think where you know, we see, a, as, we, as we spoke about, a really big end to the year always in combat sports. And usually it takes just a month or two to get things back underway before people are fully back and invested in the big matchups and the money fights. But we're heading into a weekend, um, UFC 270, where we've got, you know, arguably two really good fights. Um, one that's going to be a mate. Well, I actually think both are going to be very good fights. The main card being, um, I guess, the main event being Francis and Garnier against Cyril Gain. And that's going to be a great fight. Yeah. Going to be a great fight. Now... The question is, and I think Brennan Schaub said it this week, as UFC fans, we want Nganu to win, not just because of his story, but because he's the guy who's fighting for fair pay in the UFC, right? He's yeah. the guy who carries the weight and the flag of the, the fighters. But there's a feeling around this fight where I just think every time Francis's 100% interest doesn't lie in the fight... It's just not at his best. And I think coming up against a guy who's had no losses in his professional MMA career, who seems very composed, who for a long time has been spoken about he could be that guy in heavyweight. Yeah. There's something about Cyril that I just think there could be... And it's not even an upset because Cyril's the favourite yeah. heading into this weekend. So it's not an upset, but I think it almost is in a sense because everyone always backs that big power oh, exactly. of Francis and Garnu. But I think Cyril Gain wins this fight... I don't know how. I don't know how it's going to happen. But I just think when Nganu's mind isn't 100% on the game, 
he he tends to waver a little bit in his form and I think we've seen that in the first Stipe fight he just outclassed a little bit and I think that might be the case this Sunday I really hope not but you know it'll remain to be seen but the other fight is you know from two big men to two very little men um got flyweights so there's it's almost like double double the weight is dropped but Brandon Marino and Davison Figueiredo, Figueiredo, nice. I think Nailed I said it. that right. Um, <laughs> you know, I really like Marino. I think he's a great champion. He's a Mexican guy. He, you know, Mexicans are known for that fighting blood, that fighting spirit. And I think he's shown why he's the champ of that division. I think he's going to hold that belt. And i um, really excited for that fight too. Two guys. So, you know, I'm always a fan of the lighter fights, the yeah. volume. You know, there's always the spectacle of the heavyweight where one punch could end it all, but sometimes that results in really sloppy and or very stale fights. I'd sort of argue that, like, heavyweights are good when it's the names that you know. That's it. When you're watching a card and it's heavyweights you don't know. Mm. I often find myself zoning out a bit because it's two kind of chubby guys. They're not. There's not much cardio going on. They're kind of heavy footed, yeah. just throwing haymakers. Yeah. If one connects, you get the highlight. You're like, that's sick. But you get that one out of ten times. The rest is just like... Fuck, come on, man. You're not seeing Max Holloway or Kamara Usman volume numbers, are you? No, like, but you're, you're not, not even seeing, seeing like, volume punches. No one's like getting on someone's back and fucking putting them in a submission. Yeah. No one's going to like head kick someone. It's just like it's they just know the, what they want and it's, it's They punches. respect each other's power so much yeah. that it almost becomes stale. Exactly, yeah. But look, I, th- I think whilst there's not a lot happening this weekend, that, that main card matchup, that main event, in the heavyweights, it's it's really interesting because the outcome of that fight will determine a lot of things. Yeah, I think if Ngannou wins, the UFC's got some questions to answer, and it's do we pay this man? Do we pay for what he wants, or we probably see him walk out the door? And if he walks out the door, he probably goes to boxing, and he probably gets some sort of money fight against one of the big yeah, top contender shit. heavyweights. And I think he probably loses 90% of those matchups yeah, just because there's a different skill set in boxing. There'll always be, you know, that we'll always tune in because it'll be like, oh, one punch can end it all whenever that guy's in the ring. But I think his UFC career and his boxing career will depend on a win this weekend because losing this weekend probably doesn't give him the power to go and demand a matchup yeah. against a Tyson Fury, a... Alexander Usyk, uh, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder. Like, he probably doesn't get to demand that kind of respect outside of the UFC in boxing. And I can't see him making much more money in a Bellator or a 1FC just because of the class of heavyweight. So I think this weekend's a really big weekend for Francis and will determine whether he stays in the UFC or whether his future's somewhere else. See, that's Um, where I kind of go against you for the same reason, if that makes sense. I think... You said, like, when his head's not all there and stuff, but I think with that pressure, like, I don't think it's necessarily a distraction. It's more of a, um, more of, like, I a motivating so. factor for him. Like, I he's literally so. fighting for his life, yeah. if that makes sense, because yeah. he wants all those things. He wants to have a successful boxing career. He wants to get paid and stuff. That all depends on winning. So, I think he's going to be more driven than most fighters to win, because it's not just the belt. It's the belt plus everything else that he has going on. So I was talking about this this morning on a walk with Fooney, one of my mates, and I said, and Fooney said the exact same thing you did, and I said, and I fully get that, and I hope so. But there's something about the UFC that every time a fighter just gets to, starts to get a little bit too much leverage, 
It's just like the UFC gods, which is almost like Dana's voodoo dolls or whatever at home, just fucking balance things out. And it's kind of like Ronda Rousey starts to get a little bit too much love and attention. It's the fall of Ronda Rousey. Conor McGregor, the fall of Conor McGregor. It's these fighters that start to really, really build their personality and we start to get on the back of them. And then we go, oh, they're going to demand all the money and the respect now. And then all of a sudden they start losing fights and they lose their value in the UFC. And I hope we don't see that with Francis. But the heavyweight division is one of those divisions that has really struggled for a long time. And I think it's because one punch can end anything. Yeah. Oh, definitely. There's always, like, there's never a long-term belt holder. But I think we're in a position now where so much weighs on this. I'm like, fuck, the pressure's high. So it could go either way. I think the Pressure creates diamonds, but sometimes it fucking squashes people. Yeah, so true. we'll see. The difference between Ngannou versus those um, examples you mentioned, though, I think they went out of their way to be personalities. Like, mm. McGregor fucking is McGregor. Like, you don't really need to say more to yeah. understand what I mean there. Rousey was fucking going in Fast and Furious movies. She was, like, doing this stuff. Like, I don't know. I, don't, I know Francis is doing a bit of stuff, but he doesn't strike me as the guy that's, like, getting out there being this, like, big personality. Mm. I think he wants money. But that's kind of it at the moment. And I'm sure he'll do shit afterwards. But, like, yeah. he doesn't strike me as the guy that's getting distracted because he's, like, out there buying expensive suits and shit. Like, Yeah, I hope not. And he goes home and he does all that stuff that keeps him in touch with who he is and where yeah. he comes from. So, look, I'm a Francis fan. I, I fucking hope he gets the win this weekend and gets to dictate whatever he does. But just got an eerie feeling about it. Yeah, okay, that, that worries me. But yeah. I'm, I'm back in Francis there. And I like Moreno, too. I think he's just he's such a nice guy. He's so yeah. fun. He is. Loves and his video games. He's been games in the sport for so well. long. Like, he's just, he's a real, real out and out UFC fighter. Yeah, so definitely. Massive credit to him. But outside of that, in the combat sports world, there's not a lot happening. We're still hoping to find a fight for our, our main man, George Cambosis. Um, he seems to be struggling with finding the right contender right now. I no think one's there stepping was up. A bit of chatter in the last few days that Haney was on the cards. Mm. I don't know if it was officially announced yet, but Eddie Hearn talked about it a bit, Cambosis has chatted about. It. I think that's that's who they're targeting. And that's the right fight. Yeah, I think definitely. we said that in a few weeks past. Like that's the one to make. Um, but I don't know, I've got a feeling that got a feeling that the governing bodies are gonna try to order Lomachenko. So there was a bit of talk on Twitter about that. A few Aussie people saying Lomachenko should be the fight because Australian fans might know him more and shit like that. And then the argument against that, everyone, even Cambosis is saying, they're not there to watch anyone else. That it does, that doesn't matter who yeah. he could be fighting a fucking punching bag. Yeah, people are going to come to watch George. So give 100%. him the best fight, not the name people know. Yeah, exactly. Because like, it's it's much better to see him go up against a guy like Haney, who's in his prime, versus Loma, who might be sort of a few years off it, and you beat up the no name, and it's like, yeah, that's sick. And Haney is the fight you need to unify. I was going to say that, yeah. That that makes so much sense. Just fucking book it for a stadium in Australia. Yeah. And give us all something to look forward to. I don't know why it's taking so long. Like, I feel like after such momentum has been gained around that division, around George Cambosis and who he is in that name. Like, you think George Cambosis went from relatively unknown to global superstar in the space of a fight. Yeah. While the momentum is there, and while the fucking iron is hot, you should strike and book the next fight. The only, best chance of selling it out. The only thing I can think of is maybe Haney's thinking the same way, but in a negative. Like, mm. you want to wait it out so he's not going in there riding that wave of, like... Yeah. Because he saw what happened to Teo. 
he mm. saw this guy who was a like four division champion over the fuck it was go in there and lose it all in one night yeah. and he's like fuck I don't want to be the next guy to do that maybe I'll just wait until his fire dies down a little bit yeah who knows who knows the boxing world politics man a few other fights we didn't get to discuss over the last few weeks Volk versus Korean Zombie mm, that's a big one um, oh look I think to me I think it's pretty simple I think Volk comes out of that the clear champ again you know it's, it's nice because we haven't seen him fight Zombie yet so I think it's a nice match up I don't think they re-announce a fight with Holloway. Just for me, it just feels like that chapter's kind of over now. Even though there was still so much, you know, I, I was pretty vocal about as much as I love Volk. I thought Holloway won the first. The second, I think, was probably a close, um, close Volk win. I just think that third fight almost feels like we'd just be booking it for the sake of it now. We've spoken yeah. about that for so long. Can I rant a little bit about yeah. this quickly? I think no matter what you think about who technically won the fight, I think if you look at by the book, Volk is 2-0. and mm. I don't think Which, there's any reason to do a trilogy there. Trilogies the should thing. be left when it's 1-1. They should be like a big decider of like, he got the first, he got the second, who really isn't and stuff. Yeah. What do you gain from doing a trilogy? And it's kind of bullshit that Volk's had this belt now. And it was going to be three of the four fights involved with Holloway. How many chances does one guy get? Like, well, you lose thing. the belt, you get a chance to win it back. You lose that one again. You go away and beat up one dude on a UFC fight now, and now you're back getting it again. Like, it seems yeah. pretty unfair to Volk that he takes the belt off this guy, and it seems like the UFC is just like, nah, fight him again, again. Like, they want him just to give the, the belt back. Like, You know what I think the thing is? And this is what leads to my almost hot take for Volk. Let's call it the Volk hot take. I'm ready. Is, I think after he beats Zombie, I think he goes up. Yeah, I can see that happening. I just can't, I just can't see anyone else in 145 giving him competition like if you look at everyone under Volk right now there's really good fights there's really good matchups but unfortunately all of those have been dominated by Volk like Volk has looked way too good against everyone where I'm like I can't get excited for whoever he's fighting next that I feel like for him the right career move the right decision move is to go up and challenge for a 155 belt and work his way through the top division there because it means more to his legacy. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think we're at a point now where 145, there's not going to be any money fights there for him. It's it's kind of like, it's almost like he's risking it for, for very little reward. Yeah, exactly. So go up to 155. I'd love to see him fight someone like Chandler or Gaethje. I think they'd be great yeah. matchups. And then work his way towards the belt. It'd be awesome to see him get a, a Conor McGregor fight. Oh, man. Because that'd be a money fight for Volk, I think. You know, they could sell that fight really well. It'd be great to see one of our guys get that opportunity. But, well, you know, that, that 155 division is so open and so exciting that it just makes sense to throw yeah. him into that mix. What did you think about the call-out from Giga Chikatse about how he thinks he got looked over from the fight and he thinks he should have been the one? Who's this? Is that how you say his name? The um and he's like the fifth ranked guy or something. One second, I might have just um Giga Chikatse. Show me this dude. He just um got beaten by Calvin Cutter. So he was saying. He, oh yeah, okay, sorry, yeah. So he was said he should have been the fight, and that Volk's like ducking him or something, even though he's like the fifth ranked guy or something in the division. Well, fucking Calvin just yeah. fucking put pieces on you. Just a I think when you look at... So for me, the, the argument always is with someone like that, 
Calvin's fucking been very dominant in that fight. A lot of volume, a lot of damage. But then you look how dominant Holloway was yeah. against Calvin. And then you look, well, Volk's now 2-0 against Holloway. Yeah. So I'm just like, dude, you're miles away. Yeah. Just, just, there's no one in that division for me who can beat him right now. No. And I think unless, unless we've seen something like what would be interesting is to see someone from 135, like a TJ Dillashaw, come up in weight and challenge. I think he gets chewed up. I think someone, if Volk's doing what he's doing Likely. against the guys his weight, yeah. I think someone lighter is probably not going to stand a chance. Yeah. And especially because we know Volk is cutting so much weight. How much this he's is used true. to weight versus what this he is, is now. Disregard like, what I said. Because that's the thing. As much as he did start in flyweight, <coughs> we all know that he could be up like another two weight classes if he really wanted to. Yeah. Look, and that's why I think 155 makes so much sense. It's probably easier for him too. He's, he's quite a muscly, bulky guy. Yeah, oh, definitely. So it's probably easier for him. And I just think him against... Uh, like, imagine him and Michael Chandler or him and Justin Gaethje. Yeah. Fuck, what a fight that would be. Because Volk can take some punches. So, like, the volume in that fight, the spectacle that that would be... I almost think that would be better for his career than just to continue winning at 145. Yeah, just rolling through the Like, chunks. even if he'd lost against one of those top five competitors in, light, in lightweight... And went through that battle of trying to get to a belt there. It's almost better for his career, like, to be that kind of fighter. Because, arguably, I still feel like, whilst he's the champion of 145, he's still far less marketable than the top five in lightweight are. Yeah. And I think it's just because he doesn't have the competition to market against. Yeah, that's it, for sure. And I don't know if I'm the only one that thinks like this, but I feel like whenever a guy goes up, he's kind of in a no-lose situation because... yeah. A loss isn't a real loss. They're like, Respect we saw, is given. We saw Izzy go up against Jan, got his ass handed to him. Yeah. No one looks at him any less because he went up to do it. Yeah. So you go up and win, you're a hero. You go up and lose, it's like, oh, you were up against guys heavier than you. That's not your weight class. Yeah. Good try, awesome to watch. Go defend your own belt. Like, yeah. You don't concede too much. 100%. And it's a great spot to be a champ because oh, absolutely. I don't think him stepping away for one fight at 155 is going to risk him losing the belt. No. Nah. And then just touching on one quickly... Bam Bam versus um Derek Lewis. That is going to be so much fun, I think. I'm so I'm so intrigued by this fight because there's two ways that I see this happening. Bam Bam first round KO or Derek Lewis some weird last second KO in the third round or decision. Because well not even decision, it's just weird that like Bam Bam is so... like It's almost like their energies are kind of unmatched. Yeah. Because we've seen Derek Lewis time and time again, just like he's got no fitness, but we'll just throw from the fucking fences in the last round and find a victory, where Bam Bam is so aggressive so yeah. early. And I'm like, I don't know if somehow Derek hangs in there for long enough to put Bam Bam out, or whether... Bam Bam's early flurry is enough to finish the fight. But regardless, I know that this is the best fight that could have happened for him right now. 100%. It's not too high up in competition that I think he's he's probably potentially a little out of class compared to what he's fought recently. Yeah. But if he wins, this push, pushes him into a real conversation with those top, top contenders. And, oh, definitely. Um, you know, regardless, plenty of people are going to sit down and watch that fight. I think it's 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 one of those rare fights that I think 
even if Bam Bam loses, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, I find that pretty rare. Like, if there's a guy I'm going for and he loses, I don't really, I'm not into UFC that much where I can appreciate, like, oh, he lost, but it was good to watch. I'm like, nah, it was bullshit. But this will be one where I'm like, it's going to be sick either way. Yeah. Well, it's the, the weird thing with Derek Lewis is we watched his fight against Francis Ngannou, and everyone was like, oh, this is two big punches. This is going to be insane, but then it become a stale fight because yeah. they're so wary of each other's power. But I think Bam Bam's the kind of guy that gives so little fucks about being knocked out. There is no, like, unbeaten record that he's trying to uphold. There's no, like, I'm fearful of being KO'd that he will fucking walk into the fire swinging. And if he loses, he'll cop that on the chin and he'll move forward. Which, when you walk into the fire and you start swinging, your opponent has to as well. Yeah, absolutely. You can't you can't deny that. Like, if someone's moving towards you throwing punches, there's only so many times you can back away. You've got to start fucking firing some too. Yeah. So I think this will be a firecracker fight. And I really hope that it's our, our Aussie boy's hand being raised afterwards. Yes, sir. Um, I think that you did your hot take already on Volk, yes? Um, kind or of. Or you've got another but, one coming. Let's but I go. guess my hot take for this weekend is, I, I think... Cyril Gain, yeah. unfortunately. So, I hope not, but I've just got a feeling that he's going to get the W, and you could even put it in a multi with Marino. Nice, nice. Um, chat about NFL. We'll look at last weekend. We were meant to address that when I slept in last week, mm. and then we'll look at this week and what's happening. So yeah. we'll just go from the top down, I reckon. Go from the top. The Bengals get their first playoff win in 30 years. I said it early on. That's fucking sick. I'm a massive Joe Burrows fan. He is so composed. For... Remember I said early on in the year what he'd done last year before injury yeah. was really impressive to me. He's come back and just been so good this year. There's such a buzz around the youth in their team and the players really respect him. Like yeah. you can tell there's a genuine respect in the locker room for their young QB. And I think that's it's rare early on to get that love as, a, as such a young dude. Mm-hmm. But he seems to have that and he has that trust in his team. And I love seeing the Bengals in the finals. You know, seeing them in the playoffs for me is really exciting to see them get that win this week. Um, you know, and, and arguably, they're, they're every chance against the Titans coming into this week. Yep. I think it's a really close game. I think people probably don't appreciate how close it's going to be. Um, you know, the Titans were top seed in, in their division. But, oh, man, Bengals are knocking on their door and, fuck, I'm so impressed by Joe Burrows. I think we saw him walk out in their black uniforms and I was like, oh, fuck, they're going to kill him here. Yeah. So it was just it was just a really awesome game to watch. It's good to see a team that's a team that struggled through so much average to, like, below average play. Mm. Like, I watched the Bears for one season with Andy Dalton and he didn't even play all the games and I still wanted to tear my hair out. Yeah. They did it for, what, probably six, seven years with him. It's yeah. so good to see them finally get their guy, get their team, yeah. get where they've been waiting to go for so long, like... I don't know, the first playoff win since like a lot of their fans have been alive. It's, it's just, just crazy. so good to see a team get one. So crazy. So, yeah, I reckon they're, they're a smoky for this weekend. Yeah. We'll do it that, actually. We'll do last week's game and then who they're playing this week. Okay. So, yeah, they're playing the Titans, who famously do not have um, Derrick Henry. Yeah. Yeah. He's their guy. I'm, I'm surprised they maintained their seed without him, but I think because of that, I see the Bengals with an upset here. Is he still out this week? I think so, yeah. Let me just search that quickly because... Ooh. Yesterday he passed the test with contact practice. 
So does that mean he's playing, or is he just still? That's because if he's if he's playing, the Titans will run him over. He's moved a step closer. So if he's playing and healthy, they're very hard to beat. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're very hard for the Bengals to beat if he's playing and healthy. I, I don't think they're Super Bowl champs this year by any means, no. but he's their guy, and he's like you said before, they've done incredibly well to remain top seed without him for a number of weeks there. But um, still, I think it's a close game. Really close game. That one's up in the air. Yeah, and it's just, it's, it'll be awesome to see if they can go two in a row after not winning for so long. Yeah. It'll be sick to see it. Um, the second game was the Patriots versus the Bills. Yeah, you know, kind of come to a screaming halt for the Patriots there, didn't it? It, it really showed the difference in class. And I think we spoke about the Patriots earlier in the year where we said they were one of those teams that, you know, Big Mac was doing things really well. There was real hype. They have great defense. They were moving into a position where they could have been really dangerous, but ultimately the Bills just found form late in the season. Um, Josh Allen being as good as he is, I just think they're a better caliber team. They're they're more of a playoff team than the Pats are, and they've got more big game experience in the last few years. So um, for me, that was I felt pretty comfortable picking the Bills. I actually got all my picks right last week, which was nice. Um, Just sort of, I think it. The league is starting to sort itself out a little bit. Yeah. But I've got a few upsets that I think will happen in the finals. Yeah, for me, I think the Patriots are kind of punching above their weight the whole season. Like, rookie quarterback, yeah, Belichick's going to help you with his system, but I feel like it takes a while to really operate it to its full potential. Yeah. And we saw that. It was Belichick's biggest ever playoff loss or something like that. Oh, look, and I think, you know, credit to that team for falling out of contentions in seasons past, but then you know, without Tom Brady, but then finding form to get back into the playoffs this year. And I think it's a good building block for the next couple of seasons to come. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, Josh Allen's a fucking unicorn. And yeah, it means that we, special. we get another week of Bills fans jumping through tables and stuff. So we do. everyone's richer for it. We do. But look, they're coming up against the Chiefs this week. We'll talk about that in a minute when we cover the Chiefs. Yep. But, but that's a big matchup. Yeah. So yeah, Chiefs and Steelers, Big Ben's, Supposed last game ever, and he really went out the way he's been playing the last few seasons. Yeah. Just fucking embarrassing. It, Got dominated. Yeah, and look, I think dominated, but fuck, it just speaks to what we said all season about the Chiefs. Like, you know, we picked them in our. I think you and I had the same Super Bowl predictions, yep, didn't we? So, Rams yeah. and Chiefs, and it just feels like it's getting closer to what we expected. Pat Mahomes is on again. Like, his numbers were great. I think 400-plus yeah. um, passing yards and five touchdown passes. Like, Pat Mahomes is back to who we expect Pat Mahomes to be. They are firming as, I think, top two favourites to take the championship this year. It's a real vibe around the Chiefs, and I think heading into this weekend against the Bills, I think they beat the Bills. I think this has got potential to be probably one of the best games of the whole playoffs. Like, yeah, it's going to be I think close, it's going to be a lot of fun. I just... Pat's on another level right now. I think he's really... He dialed it back. I think at the start of the season, he got a bit lost in the source there. He was trying to mm. do his fancy stuff, run out of the pocket, throw cross field and stuff. But if you watch this game, he was doing a bit of it, but it was a lot of really, just really focused, really like simple stuff, finding the right dude. Basic QB play. Yeah. And every time you look up, he was throwing for like 40 yards or throwing a touchdown. Yeah. Kelsey was unreal. He was mm. fucking just mowing down people. You couldn't stop him. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just I think they've got momentum at the exact right time, and I think they've been there before. They know what it takes. Yeah. I I see him probably by less than seven, but I see him winning for sure. I can't remember who it was the other day, but one of the media sources released like the power rankings of the QBs for the final series, and they rated him number one. Yeah. As I far as form goes, coming into this, and it's probably right. He's the best in the league, I think. Yeah. Like I think it's one of those situations similar to like LeBron in the NBA, where he might not win MVP every year. But I think when the chips are all down, yeah. I think he's probably he's like, the guy you he's the want dude there. at the moment. Yeah, he's the guy you want at the helm. Yeah, definitely. Um, probably the most boring match. Don't really want to talk about it that much. Cardinals versus Rams. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. No, yeah. no opinions. No whatever. thoughts. We'll no move opinions. on. Nah. What Obviously, a game! <laughs> you sent it through the chat in the week. It's almost like the blokes and their balls. Bowl. It was. Like, it was the game I was waiting for. I don't give a fuck about yeah. the rest of the season. I just wanted to watch this. Happen. Yeah. You know. Liam got very fucking chirpy. Duff got very chirpy after the Cardinals got the first matchup of the year. And then the Rams just proved that we were a different team. Caliber above. And this week, it for me, I think there's like this almost fucking incredibly... It's like this almost incredible end to the season for us where even though we had like a loss in our last regular season game against the 49ers, it's just kind of like you can see the form is now around this side like what we were trying to figure out for a while seems to be figured out and just like the additions of obj he's been outstanding he's really like i think he's gone above and beyond what everyone expected of obj at the rams which is really nice to see i think von miller has been outstanding as an inclusion ad is playing the best i've seen ad play in a while and he's always good but he's playing fucking great he's just so dangerous I just think we're at that point of the season now with Cam Akers back who looks like he hasn't lost a fucking step where that was my one worry. Remember I said early yeah. on in the year, like if we had Cam Akers, I really would have pipped us as the favourites. I now feel like we've got everything we need. There's a few like there's a few injuries defensively that we're going to have to come around. We're going to get Tyler Rapp back. We're going to have one or two players missing though, but I think... As far as our team goes, it feels relatively or very complete. And it just showed against the Cardinals. It's just yeah. a different calibre. Like, it's the Cardinals have almost got that, it's that youthful energy where they'll upset some teams during regular season and things look great and, you know, the coach is firing and everything's hot. But when it gets to big moments, then you've got a different calibre of big game player. And we have that at the Rams. It was a really convincing win. They never looked in doubt. And I think heading into this week, we've got real momentum. We're going to need it against yeah. the Bucks. I think that's if that's the exact game you needed. If you think, yeah. I think if you just edged them out, it was a bit close. You roll into the Bucks, you're a bit beaten up, you're a bit wary. Yeah. But just absolutely dominating them was perfect. Yeah. They're a team that absolutely went for it. Like you said, they were just acquiring the guys that, that, that were filling all the roles. They've come into it like as close to a super team as you can get in the exactly. NFL. First playoff win for Stafford, which was awesome because he's yeah. been in the league for like 13 years or something. First playoff win for OBJ, which is crazy, crazy as well. And he, like you said, he played really well. Like, I think with Cooper Cup, we all sort of said, like, everyone knows whose team it is. And it allows OBJ to just sort of do his thing, get his yards, do his flashy yeah. plays. He doesn't have the pressure of being the dude on the team. Like, he's just an option, which I think was a problem that he had a little bit with New York and then with Cleveland. Being the dude, he was expected to catch every ball, make every yeah. play. And he was never that guy. He was flashy. He was fun. But he was never like 
the dude. Well, I think it's nice to be the, the right-hand man of a guy who's had arguably the greatest ever season as a receiver. Like, and you know that, like, the pressure's off you a little bit. And the interesting thing is, in that game last week, Cooper Cup was relatively quiet yeah. as far as his season goes. But I think that's the beautiful mix, right, where he demands so much attention now. He demands so much attention from defences that all those other guys get the opportunity to shine. OBJ had plenty of moments. Jefferson, plenty of moments. Our tight end, plenty of moments. Yeah. Like, it really felt like, and even Cam Akers had some receiving moments. It really feels as though his presence, whether he's on in terms of his stats or whether there's just players and attention on him, does so much for our team offensively. And, yeah, we've just we've just peaked at the right moment. I think in all sports, one thing that we don't talk enough about is just how important gravity is. Like, yeah. you don't even need to be performing if you've got the reputation that you will perform. Like, it changes mm. how a team's going to cover another team based on how dude one guy is meant to be, not even how good he is in that game. I always said it about Sonny Bill Williams at the Roosters. The years that he was in our side, those two seasons... If Sonny Bill didn't have a great game, everyone was like, like, Sonny Bill didn't have the best game, like he underperformed this week. My thing was like, but how many times did a centre or a 5A halfback get in a one-on-one or straight hole opportunity because Sonny was double teamed? Yeah. There were two people watching him, waiting for him to receive the ball. It's the same thing in any sport. When you give opportunity to other players to shine because of your brilliance... Um, you're just as valuable. Absolutely. You going to beat the Bucks? I think so. I think it'll be close. Um, I think we'll see. I think we'll see a really good Tom Brady this yeah. weekend. I think we'll see a really good Gronk like Mike Evans. I think their whole team is going to be ready to perform. But I think we've just got that little bit of extra spark and polish this year. And I think we'll put the Bucks out this week. And you know, it, it makes sense. It feels right. You know. The, yeah. the bowl's going to be at LA this year at our stadium. It's our year. It's our year, man. So I think we'll get them in a close one. I'm going to say, I'm going to say under ten points. Yeah, I'm a bit worried. You never want to bet against Brady. No. I do get worried, but I just feel like holistically the Rams have just got what they need yeah. on both sides of the ball at the moment. I just think they're chugging along. I don't. Exactly. I don't see them getting stopped. But yeah, it'll be really close, I think. We'll talk about that too. The Bucks beat the Eagles. I didn't yeah. have much to say about that game. The Eagles just didn't have it this year. I'm surprised they got as far as they yeah. did. Yeah, you know, that was much expected. I think we all went into this week knowing that that yeah. was going to happen. I think that would have been a real fucking shock if, if the Eagles had the opportunity to turn that around. But like the Bucks are a great side, and, and that's why I'm a little bit nervous yeah. for this week coming. But I think... Ultimately, that's kind of the game that everyone expected last week. I think it's going to be probably one of the most exciting second rounds of playoffs in a long time. If you've got this Rams versus Bucks and Chiefs versus Bills, very Bills. exciting that's, week. Those are two dynamite matches. Very exciting week. And then our last of the wild card weekend, we had the 49ers taking down the Cowboys. I picked in this. What was the most insane ending to a game I think I've ever seen? Yeah, talk about the ending there a little bit before I get into my breakdown of what's happening here with the Niners. So, the Niners were up, I think, by a score or maybe even less. Yeah. The Cowboys have got one drive to tie the game, win the game, I think it was. So, they're making some good progress. They're doing what you're meant to do. They're throwing towards the sidelines, catching it, going out, stopping the clock, progressing, progressing, looking really good. Yeah. With maybe f- eight, five seconds left, like, 
an all right amount of time. Like you probably had one more play to get into Hail Mary range and then a good one. Yeah. Dak goes for a QB run. Goes for it. I'm like, even when he starts running, I'm like, you don't want to be doing this. You want to try and head towards the sideline because you got to slide, then reset. Clock's mm. not going to stop here. Runs, gets a bit of, it gets a few yards. Like it was a decent run, but still, that kind of hurts you more, I'd argue. Mm. Slides down, he stops, clock's still running. So they're going to try and spike the ball. But the ref needs to touch the ball first so that they can do it again. So the ref's fucking sprinting from down, trying to get there. All the Cowboys are in a line. The ref can't even get through. The clock's ticking down. They're trying to set it up. The ref fucking clips the dude on the way through, just gets there, and the time runs out before they can reset and do this play. And the Cowboys season officially ends with them not able to set up their final play. Yeah, what a, what a fucking anticlimactic way to end the game, right? I just but, thought it was, like, I understand probably in the moment, Dak sees the space and he's like, yeah. fuck, I'm going to run here. But I don't know, I just, I don't know if they had a timeout, but I think <coughs> if you're going to have one, call it then, set up a play where you can get the clock to stop again because you've literally got one opportunity to win <coughs> this. Like, and that's the thing, from the moment he took his first step, whenever you see a QB run, they're never going to the sideline. You've seen it. They go straight down the middle and slide. Yeah, slide. And I'm like, this is the exact opposite of what you want yeah, to be doing. It, so it felt like whilst there was some fault of the officials there not being able to get there, it's almost game management too from a QB. Yeah, that's the thing is like you'd never want to be in the in the situation where your season is resting on how fast the ref is. Exactly. Because you can't, as much as yeah, it's his job. You can't expect him to be fucking keeping pace with world-class athletes down the field. Yeah, like, fuck. He's, he's trying Amazon. his best, yeah. but he's like a middle-aged dude at this point. Yeah. Look, I think, for me, I picked the 49ers getting the win in that game. Yeah. I just think the Cowboys this year, they've, they were good in an average division. Um, they, just, they just don't seem to have that big game flair no. that you need to win playoff matches. And there's something about the Niners where it just felt like... And I think them beating us in the last game, for me, I thought, look, there's something about them where we can't forget that this team ain't all too different to the 49ers team that has fucking been there and done it before. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Jimmy G has been there and done it. Fucking Jimmy Kittle. It's fucking Jimmy Kittle. Like, there's something about that team that feels dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. For me, they're the dark horse. And I'm actually pipping them to make a big upset this weekend. I had a feeling you were going this and way. And beat Green Bay. I couldn't disagree more. I think Green Bay are going to run them down. I think it's going to be like probably similar to what you guys did to the cards. I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I don't know. Well, I'll be interested to watch that game because I've got to, that's always a game that's fun to watch. Yeah. Green Bay and San Fran. Like, there's been plenty of great matchups between those two great sides. Just something about it. They just feel like... I feel like every year there's that outsider. There'll be one. There'll be one that we're not expecting. Yeah. I just, and I feel like it's them. I just feel like Aaron Rodgers has been too good this year. He's not going to go out like this, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. Just... Like, because there was all the arguments that he doesn't want to be in Green Bay anymore. He was going to try and tank at the start of the season. But mm. then we saw him go on to be probably close to the MVP. Yeah. I don't think he goes out like that. I, I think they're going to do some damage to the Niners. I just think maybe it's there's a little bit of hope in me that we have to like we beat the Bucks, then we play the winner of that game. But I think you guys take them as well, though. Yeah, I just I think we beat everyone. But as think, much as the Cowboys went out really dumb, they still were with less than one score yeah. with them. Like it wasn't they didn't make any statement in that game. It was like mm. 
what the fuck did the Cowboys... Like, the Cowboys lost it, the Niners didn't win it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't know. know. Green Bay arrested. They were one of the best teams this year. I can't see them going down. But I knew, I, 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 just, I knew that was the one you were going to go yeah. for. You know, they always love an upset. So, let's just go through them quickly again. Quick quick things. Yep. Titans-Bengals. Uh, I'm going to go the Bengals. Bengals, yeah. Uh, Packers-Niners. You're going Niners, go Niners on Packers. Bucks-Rams. Rams. Rams. Chiefs-Bills. Chiefs. Chiefs. So, yeah. One one point of contention, so we'll see how that ends up. Yeah. You got a hot take, or is it just picking the Niners? Um, look, I think it's... I think it's there's going to be an upset there at some point. I think the Bengals, the Bengals and the Niners are the upsets for me yeah. of that week. But I think for me the hot takes are the Rams and the Chiefs are the top two teams in their divisions. Yeah, definitely. They're the teams that have the best the best playoff picture as far as I'm concerned in yeah. the way they look, the momentum they have right now and the way things feel to be going. So if I was going to make a hot take on the NFL at this point in time, it would be that's a Super Bowl. Yeah. I, I think that would be so much fun. That oh, be, what a I fucking like, Super Bowl that would be. I, don't, I feel like we haven't had the greatest Super Bowls in the last few years. Yeah, they've been dead rubbers. So I think this will be a real fun one. It would be a really high-scoring Super Bowl yeah, too. Yeah, definitely. Um, just a little bit of um, NRL stuff. Not much happening. But a really good sign. Clint Newton has said that the NRL's anti-vax players are in single digits at this point, mm. which is really encouraging. I was saying off off mic before that if any league in the world was going to have a lot of anti-vaxxers, it was probably going to be the NRL. Yeah, they've got a lot of guys that probably aren't the most educated. A yeah. lot of I don't know. I just everyone knows what I'm saying by that. Like yeah. I just felt like they were probably who I was going to pick to have a lot of problems. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's that thing that like. You just don't want to see a season fucked by this. Yeah. And it's like that... It's it's really reassuring that we're still... What are we? We're still probably eight weeks out, ten yeah. weeks out from season start. And we're at a point where it feels like we're going to be sweet. Yeah. I'm, yeah. It, I think the NRL saw this coming a long way off. And they would have put a lot of effort into the fact that, like... Yeah. Please just get it done. So, it's awesome to see that they've got it. They've Look, got it sorted. My, my one concern for... My one concern for this season is the amount of issues that we've had with COVID and COVID numbers and the fact that COVID numbers are out of control at the moment. I hope by that point in time we've figured out what our stance is on how how we play this moving forward. Because yeah. I can just see if things are moving like they are in Australia right now, I can see the 30 that you have in your squad are all going to be needed. Yeah. Because there's going to be players out left, right and centre with COVID. There's going to be games that are probably abandoned and have to be caught up at certain points in time. I think to prepare for a real mess of a season yeah. and just hope we get something that's really clean. I think that's... It's almost the go in all pro sports at this yeah. point. Is like, just don't expect the season to be perfect. Just know yeah. that it's going to be fucked. Temper your expectations and it should be fine. Exactly. It's not, you're not going to cancel it. But there are probably going to be weeks where there's only one game on or like your team might not play for three weeks or like mm. your team might go a month playing like a bunch of 19 year olds. Like just be prepared for that and you won't be too frustrated or let down when it yeah, happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, we rounded out every week with the fit of the week, someone who was dressed up for everyone. Mm. We had to go with our man for the first of the year, SGA, yeah. one of the most fashionable dudes in all of pro sports. He went big. 
You want to run us through the fit, Bradley? He went big. So he went with a really nice dark palette, which I liked. I'm I'm a fan of the dark palettes at the moment. Hey, like the yellow socks you're wearing really really tell me that. Yeah, yeah. The the yellow fluoro socks I'm in right now might say otherwise, but we went with Shay. Um, he's got the what looks like it looks like it's a um it's either a Louis or a, actually it might be Gucci. Yeah, it looks like Gucci. I think it looks like a Gucci like dark puffer vest open black hoodie underneath he's got some chains he's got the dark either like navy or like lighter sort of black cargo pants nice and sort of loose at the ankles i like it with some fucking clean white shoes on i don't even know what they are you can't see them they look like they might be a nike some sort of nike collab i'm not sure what those are um but they look super clean um and you know the cornrows he's just a classy looking fella He's done really well there, and you know, simple things put together really nicely makes for a great fit. So making moves on and off the court. Yeah, shout out to the man. Perfect. That's about it for the week, hey. First one of twenty-two. First one of twenty-two. Um, like we said, good luck to Duff in his efforts of getting the the Chicago head roll this week. Um, but look, we're we're probably more confident we'll end up back here in the studio at one point in time than we are of him getting any head roll anywhere. Look. The Bears can't do any worse, yeah. so I wouldn't be surprised if he does get the, the call-up. Yeah, and look, you know, one thing I'll say to close out this week is, like we said, he's been very chirpy at times throughout this season, Duff, and um, he caught himself the crystal ball. There was a big claim that he doesn't speak to the world of, of messages, and the, the, he doesn't speak to the crystal ball, but rather it speaks to him. You know, you would have remembered his big claim early on in the season, how he'd driven down a bunch of different streets that he'd never driven before and he found himself in Stafford Street and it was a dead end. Well, maybe the only dead end is the Stafford Street that Duff drove down because the Rams are still in the picture, the Cardinals aren't. So whenever Duff comes back, he won't be the crystal ball anymore. No. That's been decided. (laughs) The Um, crystal ball has been shattered, I think. So the, the drama continues, but rather... Duff's on the wrong side of the fence now. Sounds like it. Yeah, so, hey, great week in sport. Pleasure to be back here behind the mics chatting to you all. Thank you, Jed. Thank you, mate. It's good to be back and looking forward to next week. We've got a big week in sport. Sick. Hurrah. <laughs>